You know, pride is not the way of the Bible. That's not the way. That's not how it goes. Now, we'll talk about that and more coming up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Today, we continue in Isaiah. This is a great prophet. And we're going to look at Isaiah 57. I think this is fascinating. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey, what's going on? More Hezekiah today. I love King Hezekiah, so more on the table. Ryan? Today, my segment is about the suffering servant prophesied about in Isaiah 52 and 53, though I'm going to be focused on a different prophecy about him, a prophecy about his ultimate victory. Very good. Look forward to hearing that, Ryan. Okay, what did you do, Jan? There is healing and forgiveness. All right, take your Bible guide out. Let's turn to the page, the passage we're reading today. And if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV and get one. But let's open up the Bible, the most important book of all, and listen to what God says to us. Isaiah 57, verses 11 through 18. And of whom have you been afraid or feared, that you have lied and not remembered me, nor taken it to your heart? Is it not because I have held my peace from of old that you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your works, for they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. But the wind will carry them all away, a breath will take them. But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him, who has a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness, I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry and he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. Isaiah chapter 57, verses 11 through 18. Isaiah chapter 57, chapter 58, and chapter 59 is our assignment as we continue reading through the Bible. You know, these are amazing words. Isaiah is a stunning prophet, uh, prophesying and speaking the words of the Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit. You know, in our world today, it is not unjustified to promote yourself. In sales, a healthy ego, always front and center when we market our products or when we market ourselves. But wait a minute, what does God tell us in his word about ego? Hmm. I remember one person telling me edging God out is the acronym for ego. 
A Hollywood producer described ego that way to me years ago when I was attending school for film production. Remember that humility is not putting yourself down. That's false humility. Genuine humility is the confidence of knowing who you are and the fallops, the bleeps, and the blunders that you have. But you also have gifts and talents. But we need to have a healthy perspective of God and as perfect, God as perfect, and also the one who is holy. And we are imperfect humans. Now, when we understand the truth about who we really are in the light of Jesus Christ, we are forced to come to the Lord and confess our sin to him. And when that takes place, we gain new insight into how God helps us. The Lord guides us as we seek him and his will. And he will help us to build lasting kingdoms through the giftings he has given us. And he's given us much. And we need to remember that God is desiring that we understand that. And today we are going to study humility. Isaiah 57, 11 to 18. Just a few verses there. But it's really important for us to hear God. And I think we should pray to begin to understand. Father, I come to you today. In the name of Jesus Christ and through your Holy Spirit. And I would ask that you would teach us your ways and show us your, your path. We're going to talk about humility. And there's many people who don't really understand what that means. They've never really figured it out. But reading your word and learning what your word says to us, this helps us understand it in the book of Isaiah, your great, wonderful prophet. So help us to see that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV and you can get a hold of your Bible guide. Now, this is something we need to pay attention to. Isaiah 57, 11 through 13. We studied the other parts of this in the previous years, but never this part. Here, here's what we say. And of whom have you been afraid or feared that you have lied and not remembered me? Really? Nor taken it to your heart? What? That's exactly what God is saying. It is not because I have held my peace from old that you do not fear me. I will declare your righteousness and your works for they are not or they will not profit you. Righteousness and works. Hmm. When you cry out, let your collection of idols, idols, other things we worship, deliver you but the wind will carry them all away. A breath will take them, but he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Fascinating. When we accept the Lord and avoid our pride, we become God's favored. When we accept the Lord and avoid our pride, we become God's favored. Always remember what God has done for us. Beloved, becomes important that we understand it's not about whenever we're selling or doing something, it's not about us saying how great we are or how great our product is, but it's about us activating what God has given us inside of our heart to win people and to convince them and encourage them. And God is the one who gives us all of our abilities. You know, we didn't come from accidents. That's what the Bible says. We came from a design. God designed you. 
He designed all of you and he designed us and he designed everything in us. So we need to understand that and give him the glory. Very important. Now, this is what we read in the second part, Isaiah 57, verse 14. Listen carefully. And one shall say, keep it up, keep it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. A stumbling block. What are you talking about? God is getting ready to reveal his power to us. The Lord always steps in (laughs) when we mess things up. Come to the Lord now. Let me tell you something. The stumbling block is in our own mind. The stumbling block is in our own way. And when we understand that, when we realize that, wait a minute, let me just reset my thinking here. And God comes into our life and we say to the Lord, I believe that you came to earth 2000 years ago and you died on the cross and you rose from the dead miraculously. And today, if I invite you into my heart, you've paid the cost of my sin. I will become a follower of you. You know, when you do that, it is amazing because God changes your life. And that's what we need to focus on. So let's keep that in our heart and keep that in our mind. Now, this is the last part I want to get to. Isaiah 57, 15 to 18. Here's what it says. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. God is the one who is in eternity, whose name is holy. He is complete. Nothing needs to complete him. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. A contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Very interesting. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would fail before me and the souls which I have made for the iniquity of his covetedness. I was angry and I struck him. And I hid, or was angry, and he went on backsliding in the ways of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I'm telling you, this is fascinating. God continues the reconstruction of man. The reconstruction of man. Jesus will come back soon to judge as Lord. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord now. Let me tell you something. Revelation chapter 19 has all of that there. And it's, if you haven't read it, you should. But we'll get to it at the end of the year. But God is coming back soon. And when he comes back, he's going to display his power. And we should pay attention. We should come to the Lord. We should repent and say, Father, I need you today. Lord, come into our hearts. Pray and say, Lord, come into our hearts. Change the way we are. We need to be humble and contrite. We need to see who you really are. So Holy Spirit, come and show us who God really is. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Remember, God is not a church. God is not a denomination. God is God bottom line. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now 
You can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. All right, so over the last few days, we've been talking a lot about King Hezekiah and all of the different changes that he made in the country. So we've talked about how he enacted religious reforms, how he potentially was trying to unify even parts of northern Israel with Judah and Jerusalem once again. Uh, we've talked about how he extended the wall of Jerusalem to uh, you know, incorporate the, the lower city. Uh, I believe it's called the broad wall that, that he's credited with building, we call it today, uh, really just preparing Judah uh, and Jerusalem specifically for this inevitable invasion led by the king of Assyria, Sennacherib. But another thing that the Bible talks about him doing, and today there's even a site that you can visit uh, that claims to be this very thing, is Hezekiah secured a water source for Jerusalem while stopping up all the other natural water sources outside of Jerusalem. This was a tactic to really thirst out the military of Assyria, make it difficult for them to survive in a potential situation where they were laying siege to Jerusalem. So let's take a look at this water tunnel of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah of Judah is famous for his faithfulness. After the reign of his evil father, Hezekiah launched a mission to rededicate the nation of Judah to God. He cleansed and rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem and went about the country tearing down high places. Hezekiah also lived through his sister country of northern Israel being taken over by the Assyrian Empire, which perhaps explains his motivation to get back to God, to renew covenant relationship with him who had given his ancestors the land in the first place. The Bible tells us that in Hezekiah's 14th year as king, Sennacherib of Assyria marched on Judah, taking all of the country's fortified cities before turning to Jerusalem. This would have taken an agonizingly long amount of time, and Hezekiah used it as well as he could. Second Chronicles 32 tells us that when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city. And they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Hezekiah also fortified Jerusalem's wall, built towers, and gathered resources and weapons. But his defensive move of redirecting water while cutting it off to the area surrounding the city was smart. He knew that Sennacherib's army would lay siege. They would camp around the city, effectively cutting them off from any outside supply of food or water. It would then be a waiting game. Might as well try to thirst out the competition. Today, the water tunnel of Hezekiah is known. In fact, as a tourist to the Holy Land, many visitors walk through this ancient waterway. Geographically, it weaves its way underground from the Gihon Spring, the source of the water, under the eastern slope of the city to a pool on the western side of the city. 
It was once thought that Hezekiah did this because the Gihon Spring was outside of Jerusalem's protective walls. It's now known that the spring was inside the lower city wall. But by diverting its waters to a location inside the upper wall, blocking the spring, camouflaging the entrance to the tunnel, Hezekiah prepared for Sennacherib to breach the lower wall. An inscription was found that tells us how it was constructed. Two teams of diggers worked, one at the starting point and one at the ending point. They dug their way towards each other and met in the middle. The most recent study on the tunnel posits there was a third team that worked from the ground above the diggers, using hammers to send sound signals down to the workers. This would explain the mystery of the tunnel's S-shape. They started going too deep into the hill where they couldn't effectively hear the soundings, forcing them back to the shallow eastern slope. These researchers were also able to carbon date some organic remains stuck in the original plaster, verifying the date to the time of Hezekiah. Lots of interesting things that we can learn and we can verify, uh, you know, by comparing and contrasting uh, the Bible to what has been found physically on the earth through archaeological investigation. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we're not just looking for verification of biblical events, we're also looking for help understanding the, the, the depth and the scope of biblical events, which, you know, here, I think, is an example of that. You know, one of the things that always strikes me fascinating is when you read the Bible, you're talking about the land of Israel mostly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you can always find things. You know, when I, Israel the first time in 91, uh, you know, the person from the government said to me, "Where everywhere you dig in Israel, you're going to find something." Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, "Wow." Well, I mean, it's a relatively small piece of land, which we yeah. don't really understand because we're like we live in Canada, which is very vast. Not a lot of people, but a lot of space. It's the opposite in in Israel. In fact, it is very, very interesting. Thank you, Corey Ryan. Yeah, well, over the weekend, we read the famous suffering servant passage in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53. And I firmly believe that this servant is none other than Jesus of Nazareth. He's the only person in all of history to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy here. But today, rather than focusing on the suffering aspect of this servant, namely Jesus Christ, I want to focus on another prophecy, a prophecy about his ultimate victory. And this victory is first foretold all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And we briefly looked at this prophecy on Friday's program. So let's take a closer look. The Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ, was prophesied right from the very beginning. In fact, the very first messianic prophecy is declared through God's proclamation against Satan in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This offspring, identified as the seed of the woman, is very unique and unusual, because it is contrary to the biblical norm. Normally, scriptural genealogies trace the seed after the male line, so this particular offspring was going to be different somehow. Though it was not made clear here how he would be different, God would later reveal through his prophet Isaiah that this seed will be born of a virgin. Hence, he is the seed of the woman and not of the man. Significantly, Eve also appears to have recognized God's declaration in Genesis 3.15 as a messianic prophecy. This can be seen in her response to the birth of her first son, Cain. 
Though English Bibles generally translate her reply as, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, the words with the help of are not found in the Hebrew text. So in Hebrew, she literally says, I have gotten a man, the Lord. While she might have incorrectly assumed that Cain was that promised redeemer, she nevertheless understood the prophecy to be messianic. Like Eve, Lamech also seems to have understood the prophecy, but may have also misidentified his son as that messiah. And he called his name Noah, saying this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Most significantly, it is apparent that Satan himself also recognized this prophecy as messianic and, as a result, made many attempts to prevent the birth and fulfillment of the Messiah. Genesis 3.15 is indeed the first of many messianic prophecies throughout the Old Testament, and we can be sure that Jesus Christ will soon crush the head of Satan once and for all. You know, we shouldn't be surprised to find prophecies about Jesus from the very start of the Bible and all throughout it. I mean, remember that on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expounded to some of his disciples in all the scriptures concerning himself. And Psalm 40, verse 7, and Hebrews 10, verse 7, declare that the volume of the book is written of him. And I'll tell you what, I would have absolutely loved to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him expound the scriptures, and showing me each and every place where he's mentioned or alluded to. There's no better teacher of the word than the Lord himself. After all, he wrote it. Yeah, you know, it's important because he authored the Bible. And, and you know, when he t comes later in time in the New Testament, all of the things he wrote about himself, he's like he reads Isaiah 61, Yes, for example. Yeah. And a lot of people say, wow, he's quoting Isaiah. Actually, no. Isaiah was quoting him. And he's just reiterating his words in the flesh. That's my segment tomorrow. <laughs> oh, well, very good. That? that was good. <laughs> so very good. stay tuned. <laughs> On the next program, you'll see that. Okay, very good. Janice? So this chapter of um, 57, Isaiah, there's a portion in here called Healing for the Backslider. And um, I want to make a couple of statements. Only God can truly see our hearts, your heart, my heart. So there's no point in hiding from him. And there may be somebody out there today who says, well, you know what, Janice, I've gone too far and I've gone too much and God can't possibly forgive me. There's not enough grace anywhere, even God's amazing grace. When I hear that song being sung, it can't be for me. But I want you to know that it is. It is for you. It is for you. I want to read God speaking Verse, uh, starting at verse 18 through 21 of Isaiah 57, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord and I will heal him. But the wicked are like troubled, like a troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Because peace, true peace, comes when you have Christ in your heart. He is the one that brings the peace. When you're troubled with God, when you turn away from God, 
You're going to try to fulfill and get that peace from all kinds of things, but it won't truly come. It won't come. Jesus is the one that brings peace into your heart. He brings that relationship back with God. God says, come, come. Did you hear that? Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord. I will heal him. It's about you getting it right, saying, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to come back. I need to come home. Or maybe you're hearing it this for the very first time and you've never asked the Lord Jesus into your heart. That's what he wants from you. He wants a relationship with you. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about getting your life in order and then coming to God. It's about coming to God and he will help to bring you into that place of making your life right with him. Jesus spoke in John chapter 14, starting, I'm going to read from verse 25. These things, Jesus said, I have spoken to you while being present with you. This is when he was speaking with his disciples while he was on the earth. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are the words of Jesus. And later on, or actually earlier, Jesus said to Thomas, who often is referred to the doubting Thomas, he needed to see the hands, the nail prints, he needed to put his hand in the side where Jesus was pierced. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have not gone too far. You have not done too much that God cannot forgive you if you come to him with a sincere heart. Remember what I started to say at, at the beginning. We can't hide from God. He sees into your heart. He knows, and if you sincerely come to him and ask for his forgiveness and for him to come in and bring you home again, he will absolutely do that. He is waiting for you with arms wide open. Respond to him today. Come back to him today. Today, as we close the program, I need to pray and let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray and we pray for all of the things going on in the world. It's just a mess. And I pray, Father, that you would help us. And we ask for your guidance and your direction. Help us to have the food we need. Help us to have everything that keeps us sustained in your perfect will, Lord. 
And thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we all said together, make it so, Lord. Amen.